Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You have to be in a total state of calm with urgency. And how do you get that? Well, you run plays that you run a lot of. You have confidence in them. Guys are moving places where they have done it a hundred times before. And to me, I think that's the, the secret sauce is you know what you're good at and let's get down there in a hurry. What I've really liked about this series of Accelerate Everything is we have a very diverse group of guests and we've had former NFL quarterbacks. We have current NFL quarterback coaches, and we have a little bit of both of that today in Davis Webb, who's the quarterback coach for the Denver Broncos, as well as having played in the NFL. So, Dub, tell us a little bit about Coach Davis Webb. Yeah, Davis had an unbelievable college career playing under Cliff Kingsbury and Jake Spavitaw at Cal, played alongside Patrick Mahomes, and then went to the NFL, played on some really good quarterbacks there for the Giants and Bills. And then decided to cut his career short and jump at an opportunity to get under Sean Payton as the new quarterback coach of the Denver Broncos. And, you know, really had a lot of playing time left in his career, but just he saw the opportunity and to learn under a, you know, gold jacket, future gold jacket wearing and Sean Payton and Coach Russell Wilson. So he jumped at that. And, uh, guys, wealth of knowledge on this one. Can't wait to share it with you. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. Our guest today is Davis Webb. Davis is currently the quarterback's coach for the Denver Broncos. He previously spent six years in the NFL just finishing with the New York Giants. Prior to that, Davis threw for almost 10,000 career yards, dicing it up in the air raid offense for Texas Tech and Cal. Davis, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Big fan. 
Davis, I'm a big fan of you for many reasons. One, my wife's from Lubbock and a huge Red Raider alum. And when I told her I was interviewing you, I, I got immediately props in the house. And then two, Jake Spavital coached you at Cal, and he and his family are infamous at Union High School where I work. And then three, your high school coach in Texas, Kevin Atkinson, is a longtime friend. And every time I work camp with him, he always was saying great things about you. So it's a pleasure to finally reconnect. And you hit the nail on the head with three great human beings right there. I'm glad your wife's a Red Raider. It's always it's always good to hear from some 806 people. The only reason why she talked to me, I found out she was Lubbock, and my first two words were to her were guns up. It bought me a, a couple more minutes of uh, FaceTime with her, and so uh, that, and then I had to seal the deal, so it was good. Absolutely, absolutely. Recommend guns up. It's always a good play. I want to start with your college football career, and you played for three years under Cliff Kingsbury and then finished up with Calendar Jake. Both guys are in the Air Raid family, but like everybody, I'm sure each has their own style on concepts and how they game plan, install, and operate during a game. If you could extract your favorite kind of coaching methods from each of those guys, what would they be? I think Cliff's was pretty cool because that was his first job. You know, just got done coaching, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner and Johnny Manziel and, and Case Keenum at Houston and has a ring when he was in New England until he's seen Tom Brady. So I think just that whole aura of him coming in and exceeding expectations. To this day, Cliff Kingsbury is the hardest working individual I've ever seen. He's up there every morning at, you know, 4.15 through 5.15 working out. And, you know, his biggest thing was if we're going to ask the players to get up early, then I'm going to be there an hour earlier. So I think just his examples of leadership through actual work, working out for us, working out with us at times, his confidence, his swag, I mean, it rubs off. And being true to himself, I was just blessed to be a part of that for my first three years of college football and also having Baker Mayfield in that room, Pat Mahomes, Michael Brewer, Nick Shimanek. We had a lot of really good quarterbacks there too. So that that's probably Cliff. I mean, he's a good recruiter. He's a heck of a dude. He really is. And then Spav, Spav is cut from the same cloth, very similar, extremely hard worker. His the way he communicates with players at every position is something I took from. He was himself. He always found a little nugget about everybody. And he tried to maximize that nugget. And so guys play harder for guys like that. And Jake, I, I mean, he's just a family first, great human being, great role model. And someone I talked to on a reg because of how close just seven months of our relationship was. We were with each other every day. I had a goal in mind. I think I have one year to do this. And I want to make the most of it because I had to sit behind Pat Mahomes for the last year and a half. And he took on that challenge with me, and I would have not got drafted in the third round if it wasn't for him. And that's just the people, not even offense. Yeah, let's talk the offensive side. It seems like Cliff has a higher inventory of plays. Am I right with that in terms of just the bulk amount of plays he would do? Yeah, 100%. The one thing about Cliff, what I always loved and respected and I stole, was as soon as March hits, February hits, he's already done with our opponents, I would say, First, second down ideas, a couple of red zone thoughts, and third down, he's done. And it's all on his whiteboard as soon as you walk into his office. And, you know, I put OSU over there, he'll put blah, blah, blah over there. And he have it all written up, visual aid. He can revisit it at any time throughout the day, and it's literally right there. So, like Cliff, I mean, when we walk in on Monday, like a lot of coaches that really ticks me off is coaches that get plays to their players late. For instance, the same day of practice, you're up there all day. Let's try to get it to him as quick as possible. Let's not overthink this. 
and you know he was the best at that. He was vastly different, almost boutique-like in a way that so many things were different each week with formations or personnel or ideas. However, he would have three or four things with it that made it a really good, clean picture, and he explained it great. He was able to communicate non-verbally and verbally with signals that really hit your brain quickly, and guys were able to take that in a lot. And I think that's honestly what helped Pat Mahomes and I a lot and these air raid guys is because you think, oh, well, it's not a long play call. No, but we have a lot of them, and it's no longer the Mike Leach era RIP, by the way, of, you know, your 20 plays. That's your base core, but with Cliff, I mean, I still have every game plan. I mean, there's thousands, and you wouldn't think that from an air raid guy. Talk to me about your freedom to check at the line. Were you given more freedom with, with either one of those guys in terms of your ability to adjust a play call or a route? Luckily, Cliff, out the gate, I think I gained his respect and you know trust early by studying that playbook pretty hard and coming in as a freshman, should, should still be in high school in the camp. He was allowing me to check a lot, but you had to be right to er- continue to earn that. But Jake, it was very fluid. Jake understood that I was in the offense for the last couple of years as well. And we had a very, very great open conversation about everything. But, you know, you get taught something all week in the meeting. And if you see it, why would you let anybody hesitate from answering that question right? You know, like, you know the answer and you know we talked about it. Get to it. It hits your brain and it, and it comes to you. Send it. If it doesn't, have a backup plan. In the NFL, that's rare. There's only been two coaches I've been around that allows that as free as Cliff and Jake in the air raid philosophy. And that would be Brian Dable. And that would be Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo's offense was a lot in regards of verbiage to just, so it was a sheer novel of plays, but it was so beautiful because it was Mike McCarthy's, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning's, and it really made sense, but it was just a lot. But he allowed Eli to do that. He's 34 at the time. So those four coaches really, allow the quarterback to kind of play like they are in the meetings, like how you do meetings every single day and how you communicate every day on situational football. And those guys teach them that way, and they expect you to carry that out. Did you have a favorite air raid concept? Yeah, I mean, 95 comes to mind. The only thing that bothered me that Cliff did and Jake switched was 95 was ran only one way. But with Jake, we ran it both ways. That was a little adjustment that I liked. What's the reason behind running 95 one way? Is it just so your eyes can get used to the same scan? I think it's almost like a wise tale at this point. You know, you hear so many different ways. But the way I was told was it was easier for the quarterback to read it left to right as opposed to right to left because you're open. And to me, it's, it's just as dumb as a wise tale as nakeds to the left. You know, I argue, personally, I like throwing to the left more than the right. I like scrambling that way more. And I would say 80 to 90% of the quarterbacks I've been with will say the same thing because we've had those conversations. I think those two wise tales are the same. Let's talk about four verticals, six in the air raid vernacular. Watching some of your highlights, it seemed like you had a really good knack of throwing the go ball. In fact, your last throw in the league was a go ball TD to Kenny Galladay against the Eagles. And it was an unbelievable throw and catch there at the end. Catch and throw. Unbelievable catch, then throw. That was insane. Over Darius Slay, too. That was a heck of a catch. Are there any vision and decision or splashdown details you can give us when teaching quarterbacks how to throw a go ball effectively? Yeah, I mean, we didn't call it six, actually, with Cliff or Jake. It was ace 90. 
And that, that was always weird to me because I always thought that was something that should stay everywhere. But four verts, every offense has been different. But the bottom line with a go ball in the NFL terminology is everybody talks about how it's 42 to 45 on the red line. And, you know, to me, that's robotic. That's robotic coaching. That's a good coaching point. I mean, that's percentages say maybe around that area code. But nowadays, these corners are pressing them up. You got to talk about back shoulder, which no one's really ever comfortable talking about. And you got to throw go balls that are a little further sometimes. Sometimes you got to take quick five in the gun. Sometimes you got to take a three, a long three, a quick catch, a long catch. So I think finding out who your quarterback is and how his feet and his mind marry up a go ball is very important on air. And like Josh Allen's a quick five. You know, if he takes a big three, then the guy's not far enough out for him, in my opinion. You know, Russell can take a quick five because he's got such quick feet and he's got the best go ball that I've seen air and touch in the history of my life and I've seen a lot of good go balls thrown and that's just the go ball read if we're talking inside out on the seam to the go ball how they're playing zone the corners mid pointing cover two then you have your back so the best part about four verticals in my opinion is the back but back to the go ball conversation with Jake what we did which I really loved was we, we kind of stole an Art Bryles disciple and that offense and we kind of just met with him him and I did in the summer for a week and we talked about the option route on the outside. And I fell in love with it, you know, reading it, shutting it down. It, think, making your decision at 12, shutting it down to 16, touching second base, coming back to first base on a little stem or a hinge or whatever you want to call it. If you run by them, you run by them. They're train tracks. I've heard a lot of different phrases for it. But to me, that addition to your four verticals offense is a killer. And then you get to the June Jones versions of the four verticals, which is my favorite part of the four verticals. And just having variances instead of just running four verticals and throw it to the back every time, really being able to attack the defense intermediately with a guaranteed completion to the back end zone is the best part about four verticals. In the air raid offense, let's talk about mesh concept. If you're stacking air raid concepts up one through ten, where does where does the mesh fall in? Basic Ace ninety two would not be up there for me. It's a cool play. I respect the history of it. Trust me. But I like the variances of the Chip Kelly meshes that Cliff stole from, whether that be the back on a rail, one by three, three by O, empty. The variances of mesh and the variances of mesh return and zone, I think, I mean, that's got to be in every quarterback. Daniel, that was Daniel Jones's baby, was mesh. That's, that was his fail safe. And I think everybody would probably rank them in the top three. So that probably should be called even more. And everybody gives it fits, but it's a completion play, and that's why you're calling it. Let's move to the NFL. You got drafted in 2017 by the Giants. What impact did Eli Manning have on you? Were there any specific things you learned from him during your rookie season that helped you grow as a quarterback? A lot of pranks that I've stolen from him, but I do give him credit on all of them. But Eli, that was a blessing. I remember getting drafted, and he called me the next day and how, you know, how fired up he was and excited to work with me. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, don't do that again. We're teammates now. But he was 34. I had his jersey when I was in middle school, probably. I mean, I was a big fan. And to kind of work with somebody you idolize your whole life, it was pretty cool to, to see how much better he actually was, you know, as a person and a quarterback. He's so smart, dialed in, has a routine. Me and Daniel, I got drafted there seven years ago. I come back, and it's like looking at so many things that Eli used to do 
in regards to the week of the preparation, how much he leaned on him just like I did. And he just is very inviting. The weird part that year was I had to run three meetings a week. I had to do the Monday morning meeting, a Tuesday morning meeting, a Saturday morning meeting. And, you know, being a 21-year-old doing that for a 34 Hall of Famer, that was a welcome to the NFL for me. And just learning from him every day was special. Was there a process that you started to put together yourself in terms of watching film and learning how to take notes and just having a system of of consuming all that information and distilling it down into a way that you can understand it? Is there anything that you improved upon as you went to the league or did you always have kind of a good method going from college to NFL? I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing was I was blessed, obviously, to have coaches kid, be the coach's kid and see how they did it and being around Cliff and really him helping me out and taking that to Cal and then I get with Eli and that was Ben McAdoo, Eli Manning, Frank Signetti. I mean, those were three pros, pros that really helped me out in that regard. And I was asked a lot, to be honest with you, not on the field, but off the field. I had a lot of meetings I had to run. I had to do a lot of PowerPoints, a lot of cut-ups for coaches and other players. So I was kind of thrown pretty quickly into that. But once I, playing-wise, I feel like I might have watched too much, to be honest with you. People will probably roll their eyes at that, but sometimes that made me overthink. And search as opposed to, and not chase, as opposed to let things come to me. Once I got into year four, being around Josh Allen and being around those guys, kind of picking and choosing instead of trying to get your eye on everything and having a good basis where you can still react was important. And I think my game got tremendously better. And not everybody does it that way. A lot of times it's the other way around. But to me, honestly, that was probably the best thing that happened to me was being around some different guys and different viewpoints and just kind of seeing it's about playing, building that reactionary base and building that zone base that players get to, as opposed to talking like this is a classroom because it's not on Sundays. I think that's really great information for coaches. I know I've made that mistake with my guys, having them examine and look at too many details and, and not remembering about the reality of the game and being more subconscious with it. But let's talk about practice in the NFL, specifically like walkthrough sessions. I know there's a lot of uh, information you got to work through in a game plan and put that in a week on the field. I know you guys do a lot of walkthrough stuff. Are there any keys that you can give us as coaches that we should emulate when organizing or installing a game plan maybe during the week that helps transferring the knowledge faster? Yeah, I'm all in on walkthroughs. That is how you build the quickest way. Everybody's like, how do we make this more game-like? This is it. I mean, that is it. And people that don't do it, it really bothers me because I think we're missing so many chances of getting guys back into that calm mental state that we're talking about earlier and that's a walkthrough i mean you have to visually see it you're doing it luckily in buffalo in new york we made these walkthrough rooms and had like three projector screens so when you line up you see the play on the powerpoint or whatever you run it come back do it again it's like a meeting on the fly it's, it's beautiful if you want some film in there we sometimes add that to me that really helped the players and helped my teammates and really helped me even if I wasn't in whether that be Josh is up Daniel's up Tyrod Taylor's up whoever I'm I'm doing the same thing and maybe I can walk through it behind them if I if it wasn't hitting my head as clear as it needed to be so I think walkthroughs daily are important and when I say daily I mean every for the NFL practice Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday and if you play late Sunday that day 
So that's important to me. A quick time out here to talk about what Dub has done with virtual reality and what he uses in Reps VR. Dub, what's Reps VR and how are you using it to train quarterbacks? Yeah, it's live VR, Keith, where you get in the headset and your mind can't tell the difference between a real-life rep and, and an actual virtual rep because we're filming with a GoPro 360, so we see full on 360 wherever you look. And so we've just created the scenarios and I put together a bundle with our four. We have two packages. We just released a new one, Coverage Weakness Course. And so we took the top 21 coverages that are used in the NFL, NCAA, high school football, and put those into virtual reality with our players. And so you get all the, the movements, the coverage rotations. Your quarterback has to drop back within 1.5 seconds before he's the second last step is drop. He has to call out the coverage and the weakness of that coverage from his shooter's view lens that he would see in a field. And I think we saw just a huge acceleration in our quarterback's cognitive ability to identify weaknesses in just practicing 10 minutes a day for just 30 days. I mean, you're just massive acceleration of growth. And we also have a coverage course also built in where we took the top 15 routes in football and put them through the primary different movement that defenders will use to take them away. So we'll put like, for example, a seam out there. You know, we'll have an apex you know, nickel linebacker. We'll have a safety over the top. And we'll just do different rotations and movements post-snap to cap or uncap that route. And so the quarterback has to draw back. And in the voice recognition technology, you have to call out cap or make a rip call if it's going to be you know, covered or open. And so if you don't hit that, call at the appropriate time in the timeline and you're gonna get a negative grade on that you're getting immediate feedback and so you can keep repping that till you start to learn how to build that anticipation so this is just a way to accelerate growth and to build anticipation for a quarterback you can take this stuff home put it in his headset and get extra reps outside of practice i can't really express how valuable of a tool this is and so i try to put together just a tight package for coaches to buy and uh, to get their kids in so they don't have to go out and, and create all this themselves because it takes a lot of hours and, and to program everything and to capture it. So, again, it's available at r4footballsystem.com. It's the, the coverage weakness and routes training course. Davis, as you go back and replay all the film, practice, and games you've been a part of in the league, I want you to think about the interceptions you've seen and even the ones you may have thrown, is there any specific route or defensive look that kind of stands out as being more difficult to throw or generates more interceptions than others? Is there something that you really got to focus on more or a route that's just more difficult in the league? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is defensive coaches do a good job. If, if you're a post-high zone team and you have variances within that, whether that be match, whether that be spot drop, whether that be sloop, like the the flat player sloops out and the corner squeezes. I, we call it sloop and squeeze or the Seattle style where it's matched two by two and the other side spot drop. Free safety is scooched over a little bit. I think just mixing up those variances always gets guys. I think blitz zero is very, very important. Creating pressure, creating different droppers. That's always good. And the one thing, I've thrown plenty of interceptions. We, we might need another day for that one. But the one thing is predetermined decisions. I think it's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL where they think it's cover two and they're ripping the end cut, but it wasn't. Or they really thought they can get over a linebacker. They didn't see him. They just were staring down a guy. I think that happens a lot, but I think just building those mental reps and those walkthroughs and understanding, hey, if it's, it's not there, there's two answers to follow. It's not like a speed multiple choice test. You can have some rhythm within it as well. I want to talk two-minute last drive situations before the half or into the game. I'm always intrigued with 
how coaches prep for that and the plays they call. Did you guys have a set script of specific plays going into a game for those situations? And if so, what are some schemes or thought processes that were used in those situations? Everywhere I've been has been different. And to me, that's one reason why I went into coaching because I got to learn from so many different great coaches and was able to kind of pick and choose what I thought was best. And I'm still learning. That's the best part. Two minute is like some places you, you run your base two minute offense and that is it. Um, some other places they pick 10 plays every week and they do the numbers on the that's how they do in the West Coast at some places. Some places are game plan, like John Gruden do a good job with that kind of stuff. Kind of have some shots in their two-minute, which is underrated. Not talked about probably enough. But having a mix of just about everything I said, but having the ability, because in two-minute you have to be in a total state of calm with urgency. And how do you get that? Well, you run plays that you run a lot of. You have confidence in them. Guys are moving places where they have done it 100 times before. And to me, I think that's the, the secret sauce is, you know what you're good at, and let's get down there in a hurry. Davis, Brian Dayball was your OC at Buffalo, and then you were also with him last season at New York. What are some takeaways about his offensive system and how he calls plays that you liked as a quarterback? That's another long answer. The two offensive coaches in the NFL I've taken the most from are probably Coach Payton and Brian Dayball. And... Joe Lombardi would be in that mix, John Morton, you know, Frank Signetti. I mean, so many, Ken Dorsey. I mean, a lot of good shape tyranny. But Dave's, Dave's truly sees the game as an evolution of his career as well. He's been a coordinator twice before, and it didn't go as well as he probably wanted it to. And when he got to Buffalo, you know, he just left Alabama. He saw some college schematics. Had two ahead, Jalen Hurts. And just seeing his vision for Josh and what he could become. We all had that vision, but the way he carried it out throughout his play calling was, was truly outstanding. And every single week you felt like there was 15 things that were going to go for explosives. And there was a hundred things you need to get completions on. And there was a lot of positive run game in there. And there was some mix and match off of it. So you really just felt confident and you walked through it and, He's a special, special, special offensive mind that he just grew into. You're going to be a play caller probably at some point. What's some things that you've taken away from all those guys you listed that makes a good play caller? I think what Dave does and what Coach Payton's done with Drew and what he's about to do with Russ, I think seeing the game through the quarterback and the play caller's eyes is very, very important. I mean, that has to be a marriage there. I mean, you see a lot of quarterbacks that – and the media's eyes and the public eyes do not doesn't work out, but in reality, it's just not a fit for what they're trying to ask to do. And maybe there's somebody out there that sees the vision and sees what type of player he is, and it fits the play callers, and there's a happy marriage there. If not, then you're going down, in my opinion, a disaster of trying to fix and find. If you have that mindset, you might be able to find it. But if you can't, then that's when things go really bad. And shared vision, shared commitment equals shared results. And I think for a play caller to do that, that's that's pretty special. I want to talk about your last game in the NFL. You're on the road this past January in the playoffs against the Eagles, and there was a two-by-two two concept you ran in that game. You went tear motion with the running back out to the right, on a bubble screen and then the mic and wheel pushed with the motion and you reset backside to a slant flat kind of a dragon type concept. 
and threw the slant, which I thought should have been caught. But later that game, you came back to the exact same concept, and it looked like it was a called quarterback draw. Same reaction from the defense. And you went right up the middle and absolutely trucked the safety for a touchdown. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Talk to me about those two plays, and, and what did you see in the game planning that made you like it? And was the draw called, or was it a check? So the first one, it was I think it was third and four. There was no draw called there. It was just straight up. If it's zone, you throw it to the back on the terror motion. If it's man to win, you work the dragon side, the D slant side. And, you know, the Mike and Will both kind of bumped, like you said. And it was 11. I knew it was man because the Mike ran with them, and there was one guy remaining. The only dude that can really screw this play up is him on the slant because he's got to win his matchup. So I sold my eyes pretty hardcore to the right. Got him to move, enough room, made the throw incomplete. I probably did a little too much there as opposed to just a quick eyes and go. I mean, I sold my body. But that was the first one. But going back to that, we were like, all right, five-man box, we can run QB draw off of it, which is the same list that I just said, but we add the draw. If he buzzes out, we run it. If not, throw it man-to-man and get over there. That was not a check, but it was talked about for quite some time because they were trying to break the sack record. They tied it. They sacked our holder and our trick play tight end throwback to me, and they tied it. They needed one more to break the NFL season sack and they were talking every play about it. I mean, it was Fletcher Cox is still in my head. He was talking so much crap. Hassan Reddick, all those guys, they were, they were so good. And uh, so they were just pinning their ears back. And I was like, we got to run the ball eventually. <laughs> and luckily that worked out and caught the safety a little awkward and uh, was able to put my shoulder down. Um, in the red zone, I, I tell the quarterback still today, if we're in the red zone, you can score. It's important for the quarterback to be the toughest guy, not the dumbest guy. So put your shoulder down on third down in red zone after that, get down because these dudes are fast and they hit hard. I want to talk and touch on quarterback improvisation and mobility. You played with two of the best and Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, even yourself against the Eagles. You juked out. I don't know if you remember this one, Hassan Reddick to avoid the sack and you got the ball off, almost completed it. Is there anything that is done in practice to improve on this fundamental or is it just kind of left up to the quarterback to use his God given ability to make a play happen? You left off one big name on that one. It was Pat Mahomes is where I first saw it. And I was 19 years old, and uh, I'll never forget it. And ever since then, it's been in the back of my mind, because I was always told, you're a tall pocket passer, kind of run a good 40. You're, you're really strong, but we don't see you as elusive or anything. But the agility drills, I was winning a lot of them. And the sprints, I was winning a lot of them. I'm like, man, I think, I can, I think I'm, I'm more athletic than – either what I think or what others think. And I continued to kind of build on that thought, but I never played with it. And then once I went to Buffalo, I saw Josh do very similar things to what Pat was doing. And I, I mean, him and I had a year-long conversation on the subject, just back and forth. And the next year I came back and I was like, I'm playing with a different mentality. I'm going to change up trying to be the smart quarterback every time I'm going to add hopefully this to my game if it doesn't work I'm, I'm going to try to go coach but I'm, I'm going to see if what I got because I, I feel like I got some more than what I've been showing and I loved it I loved every minute of it it, it goes back to watching too much film sometimes like uh, it's a game at the end of the day and having that confidence and then talking with Daniel about the transition of seeing Josh continue to get better myself Tyrod Taylor is one of the most elusive human beings I've ever seen and just having a lot of conversations now with Russell, Jarrett Stidham, I just think 
that get part of your game can be developed. It just has to be talked about the right way. And guys have to be able to communicate that way because not every coach either studies it enough or talks about it enough because I, honestly, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it is predetermined. Sometimes it is feel. Sometimes it is reaction. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But watching those couple dudes that I mentioned, Sam Darnold's on that list, just special, special athletes that can extend a play half a second to five, to Pat's case, 15 seconds longer. Davis, you recently accepted the job as the Denver Broncos quarterback coach, and you may be the luckiest guy in the world getting to work for a future Hall of Fame coach in Sean Payton. I can't imagine sitting in that interview room with one of the greatest offensive minds in the game. What was that interview like, and what was one of the most difficult questions that he asked you? The weird thing was I was really the only job that I was thinking about. If something happened in Buffalo or New York, maybe, but I didn't know Coach Payton, but I knew of him, and I knew for me to branch out find new connections and learn from literally a gold jacket hall of fame head coach as my first job. Uh, if I was offered it, then yeah, I would retire for that. If not, I told coach Payton, if I, if I don't get this, I'm working out literally that day, I'll probably be pissed off and I'll do squats and I'll try to be a free agent quarterback, you know? So I was like, you're not gonna hurt my feelings, but I want this job. And if I get it, I'm taking it. So the interview was kind of interesting. I was able to run my PowerPoint, you know, I think it was 30 slides. I talked about Russell, things I've heard, things that I thought watching his film I could help out on or create a, a shared vision for the head coach, the coordinator, for me to communicate. I talked about my age. I talked about uh, what I've been doing the last 10 years of my playing career, which is more of a coach player career. And, you know, we hit it off. Everybody in that, in that room, I'm very thankful for the entire offensive staff because it's something that, is rare to find. You could feel it right then and there. Man, when he said, give me some time to think about it, it's a big hire, you know, so I get in the, I get in the scouting assistant's car and Ish tells me, hey, everybody said you did good. I said, I don't know. I'll let you know tomorrow. Ish's phone starts ringing. We've got one light down the road and they say, turn around. And I'm like, I left my iPad. I'm never going to get a job. You know, I was like, I'm an idiot. And so I walk up to Coach Payton's office. I, I checked the car. I had my iPad. So I'm like, okay, maybe this could be good news. And uh, he was like, you got the job. And I said, I accept. And we signed the contract right then and there. I missed my connecting flight, but it was worth it. What's the learning curve for you right now, trying to get up to speed with, with everything, with Sean's offense and stuff? The cool thing and the bad thing about my career is that I had to learn six offenses in three years. And four of those were West Coast type offenses. So there's a lot of carryover. I think 18 out of 32 teams do run a version of it. So it's that part made it a little smoother, but it is vastly different than the last four years than I've been with Brian Dayball. So that part's a little unique, but Coach Payton's offense has the number one record in the history of the NFL for yards in a year, touchdowns in a year. So it, that's, that part's been pretty unique and fun to listen to and, and learn the history of each play. Davis, I absolutely appreciate your time, man. This was a, a fabulous interview. A lot of nuggets in there. I want to let you enjoy the rest of your break because it's about to get real for you. But guys that are listening, this guy is going to be a star on the rise in the league. He's going to be a head coach someday. I'm calling it now. Davis, best of luck this year. Can I end with the Broncos country? Let's ride. <laughs> absolutely Broncos country let's ride 
As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. Dub, as always, you have the tough task of narrowing this down to something that everybody can use. So what did you focus on from this interview with Davis Webb? Yeah, a lot of stuff really to chew on on this one. But uh, my first takeaway, I really enjoyed Davis's point on how important it is for a coach to get the situational play calls prepared and done before the season. He, he talked about how Cliff Kingsbury was the master at being months ahead in his prep for the upcoming fall and getting those situational schemes down to the end of spring, allowing him all throughout the summer to go through those plays, just building confidence in his quarterbacks and, and preparing himself for the upcoming season. He thought it really gave him a head start, something that he's modeled in the way he coaches. I think number two, coaches really underestimate the value of walkthrough periods, and that's something they do heavily in the NFL. And I don't care what learning style you are, walking through plays feels to me like, like a method that translates more through all learning styles. And Davis really credited how important walkthroughs are to understanding and the information and to replicate it quickly and let it translate into that pressure packed game environment. My third takeaway was a quarterback's ability to extend the play and create on the fly is something that's often overlooked. And for Davis, it was really watching Patrick Mahomes and Jared Allen and mentally making a decision for himself to be a run threat on play breakdowns. And so I think some of the things he talked about, what helped him was just finding clips or finding a quarterback to watch and showing your quarterback how some of these guys move is a really good starting point to mimic that strategy, learning how to extend the play and improvise when things break down. Dub, great job again on this podcast. Thank you for all the research that you put into these. You can tell there's a lot of prep time. You're not just turning on the phone and recording a conversation Uh, really appreciate what you put into designing these questions to get a lot out of these interviews we have one more of these next week it's been a great series here on the coaching coordinator podcast we accelerate everything and dub look forward to the last one and thank you for your work thanks keith be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for additional resources blogs and sign up for our weekly newsletter which gives the best tips from the previous week follow us on twitter at coach k grabowski